0: You. and also you. continuation of the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory, Glory to you, Lord Christ. On the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine, and Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is it of that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there, there were six stone jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become water, did not know where it came from, though the servants that drawn the water knew. The steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, and came of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The gospel of the Lord Praise
1: to you, Lord Christ. In <clears> the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Be seated. So there's a theme, well there are lots of themes in our readings for today, but between the first and third third reading or fourth if you count the psalm Um, marriage comes up all right so I'm going to talk about marriage but first I'm going to put some disclaimers about talking about marriage Um, uh, so I (laughs) I thought I thought you know I've preached last year in 2018 I preached four different weddings um, pretty much the same sermon each one which is pretty much what you're going to hear from me today Uh, uh, just FYI Um, So don't be in a rush to come to a wedding where I'm preaching just to hear me preach, because you will have pretty much heard it. Uh, But it's an important message, an important point. And I started thinking, you know, we just don't talk about marriage enough. in the church, especially in positive ways and as a teaching um, tool, uh, as an important analogy, Um, And then uh, after sort of being very proud of myself for coming up with what I was going to talk about this week, uh, the panic set in and the reminder of why most priests don't talk about marriage on Sunday Sunday morning. Um, Because we are all keenly aware that 50% of our congregations statistically has been through a divorce. And we are also people who are very pastoral, and the last thing we would ever want to do is alienate any one of our members, much less half of our members. Um, so there's very good reason why we don't talk about it, because we're chicken. I'm um, just going to put it right out there. <laughs> so a disclaimer before I begin talking about marriage. There is something very valuable for us to, to discuss in that, but... Talking about marriage does not necessarily mean um, condemning divorce, all right? So it does not, when we highlight marriage, it is not that any other relationship um, uh, d- has zero validity. That's another thing is, well, what if we're committed lifetime partners? I am not invalidating that relationship. I'm not invalidating long-term friendships and I am not condemning divorce. There is, hear me when I say this, there is such a thing as a holy divorce. That's a sermon for another day. I promise you'll hear it from me at some point because I do. It's important to me to talk about that um, because there are times when divorce is not only um, needed, it's essential to someone's survival and that's not an understatement. Uh, And so I I, I do want to affirm that and if you are interested in that um, and you don't want to wait for me to get to that part of the lectionary cycle, please come and see me. This is important to me Uh, because of the countless conversations I've had with people who want to apologize to me for divorce or are struggling with divorce but are afraid to come and see me because they're afraid of being condemned. Please come see me about that, because that does weigh on my heart uh, for folks who who feel some pain in that. So that is not what this is. Um, This is no condemnation of anything, divorce or other relationships. It's just us holding up, particularly marriage as a a metaphor and the importance of talking about it. Um, So that's my disclaimer uh, before we move forward. Um, It's interesting that we see marriage discussed so much in Scripture. But chiefly, as metaphor, there's not a book in the Bible that is a how-to guide for married people, all right? I don't know that I want one, but there are moments that I think that would be handy as I'm doing premarital counseling for people, (laughs) if I could just point them to a part of the Bible. Um, And what part we do have, uh, the one that comes most to my mind is husbands take care of your wives, and wives obey your husbands. You can tell that's one of my favorites. (laughs) So, what we mostly have in Scripture is a reference to marriage as an analogy for other things, most specifically as an analogy for the relationship of God to the church. The problem is that assumes that we all are on the same page about what marriage is about. right? That for us to read in Scripture that God... Rejoices in the church like a bridegroom rejoices in his bride. Um, that's limiting in many ways. First of all, just because of the traditional language that that includes, but also um, we have gotten so off base about our understanding of marriage. Um, so much so. I have a, a friend who twice for wife number one, wife number two, he's guaranteed he's never going to have a wife number three because he can't, he says these first two experiences were so bad, because both wife number one, number two, one-year marriage came to him and said, I'm not having fun anymore, I want a divorce. Mm-hmm. All right. Our understanding of marriage is not great. Uh, and so we can't assume that we understand what we mean when we say, God rejoices in his church like a, a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, uh, especially in the United States in our modern context. Now, usually when I go to Scripture, I take a historical critical approach. I want to know what is the understanding of the people who wrote it and how does that inform our understanding. I actually don't do that in this instance. This is one of those cases where I feel the spirit moving in um, in very real ways in scripture that for me this analogy has more power in our modern context than it does in the original context Um, and so my my faith is more informed by thinking of marriage in a 21st century context Um, and, and and how that then says to us something about jesus all right so i want to tell you a story about one of the weddings i did um, last year, they were all family and friends of family. I could tell you a story about each of them because they are all wonderful. Uh, but one in particular um, spoke to me so much about the power of marriage uh, as informing our relationship with God. This was uh, two women who have been in our lives for a number of years. They've been in relationship for probably eight or nine years before they w- were married. Uh, and they lived in two different states even because of their work um, uh, the way that their work was set up they neither of them could leave their jobs um, but they wanted to go ahead and be married um, the father of one of the brides originally said he was never gonna come would not come wasn't gonna do it didn't support it could not be there understand we get it uh, many weddings have been a part of that's been true um, But her mom said, I'm going, so you're going. And you don't have to be happy about it, but you're going, because I'm going. And you're the only way I can get there, because she has mobility issues. She said, I don't care if you sit in the car the whole time, but we're going. I'm not missing this. And so they came. And so the dad thought about it, and he said, all right, I'll go. But I might not go to the ceremony. That's fine. Well... He decided he would go to the ceremony, but he wouldn't walk her down the aisle, and he wouldn't go to the reception. But as we were together at the rehearsal, he decided he would be present. And so he sat in the front right next to her mama and walked her mama in. Um, They walked each other in with this daughter of one of the women, which was adorable. Uh, And they thought he would leave after the ceremony. And... He didn't. After they had their first dance, he walked up to his daughter and says, I want to dance with you. I want to dance with you. And he had the father-daughter dance that he should have had. But it doesn't end there. He then turned to his daughter's new bride and said, I want to dance with you. And he danced with her. And transformation happened. That's one of my favorite moments. Um, we use marriage as a metaphor, especially in our time, because of the power of being chosen and choosing. We live in an era when you don't have to get married, there's no reason to get married for many people. In fact, people my age and younger. As those of us who are married, why, why, uh, why, why? well, they don't understand me, period, being involved in the church. (laughs) So they don't ask me why, because they're like, I just give up. Uh, But other friends who choose to get married, they say, I don't understand why Why get married. It's just a piece of paper. Like, why do you need that? As if you're stupid for needing that, you know? Why? Um, Because in our era, in our context, marriage is all about being chosen. It is about your will. You are not compelled to get married in the United States. I would say, I can't say all the time, but generally speaking, there's nothing that compels you. No family obligation, no trade. You're not being traded to your husband's family for 50 head of cattle. You know, this isn't the world we live in. We live in a world where marriage is about choosing, about standing in front of your family and the world and saying, I choose of my own will To say to this person, you, I want to be committed to you forever. I want to do this hard thing called life with you. And I want us to support one another. I want us to be helpmates for one another. I love that the passage from uh, Paul is, is married, if you will, to these readings for today because it talks about spiritual gifts. And that's if our marriage is a vocation, not if, it should always be, we should always look at marriage as a calling some of us are called to it some of us are not it is a calling and it is a calling because when we choose to be in relationship with that person we are saying i am a stronger disciple with you than i would be otherwise that you make me a better child of god and i am stronger and better with you than i am without you and you are better and stronger with me and without me. And if the world throws us so many curves that we are not only heart sick but heartbroken, because we are together, we will not be burned to the ground. Because we have each other to lean on. That's what it means to be called into that relationship and to say, I, I choose you to do that with. Sometimes against all odds. Sometimes when family members literally tell you you're going to hell for it right sometimes when the world tells you why you're stupid for that it's pointless there's nothing left to marriage anymore there's nothing there even when the world would say all of those things you still choose it and you still decide that it is important to stand in front of friends and family and all of creation and say i do i do i do choose this This is why this is powerful. Because the world needs a witness to the power of Christ in the incarnation saying, I choose all y'all in the incarnation. God says in the life of Jesus Christ, I choose to come and walk among you, I choose to love you forever. I choose you, you are worthy of my love. I see you and I will be here for you, not just today, not just tomorrow, but until the end of time. Not because I have to, I'm God, I don't have to do anything, but because I choose to. That's the power of the love of the incarnation, the unconditional love of Jesus Christ, to come and walk among us, to see us worthy and capable of being taught anything. For God to say, I will take human form purely because I love you and I choose that. This is the power of that analogy. This is why we say God loves the church like the bridegroom loves the bride. Because we are chosen, not compelled, not out of obligation, not for any other reason than out of pure love and a love that is abiding, that is committed, that says to us in baptism, being sealed by the Holy Spirit, I don't care where you go, I don't care what you do, I'm going with you. Just as two people stand in front of their family and say to each other, Sickness, health, richer for poor, diapers, <laughs> loss of job, cancer, heartbreak, joy, elation, you know, pain, sorrow. I'm not going anywhere. I am going to walk with you that whole journey. We need this analogy. And if we don't take that seriously and stand up and own that witness to the world, I can't blame the young people when they say, I don't get it, what's the point? So my prayer for us all this day, if you are called into the covenant of marriage, may you be strengthened in that, to be a witness to the world. To the abiding, chosen love of Jesus Christ. Amen.